my best friend, Jen, and she can't decide who her favorite serial killer is. No, I know who my favorite serial killer is. See? Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. I'm not even going to. I'm just going to. Okay. This is my best friend, <laughs> Kelly, and she is an impulse shopper. That's the truth. We are <laughs> surrounded by the evidence of that all over the place, and it is so upsetting. Oh, man. Anyway, I'm like, don't give me that tangent. I will just keep talking about it. It is with my eyes closed. My ADD is so bad right now. And her meds have not kicked in. It's really bad. Oh, I also think that my anxiety is hot. So this is what I was going to say earlier, but then I was like, I'm going to wait till it's authentic. To be on my yeah. That I think this is the topic that I'm the most nervous about to talk about. Really? Yeah. Does it feel the most vulnerable? Yeah. It it feels. Like, this is the topic that I keep most private in my professional life. Yeah. And so it feels scary to talk about. And so I'm just keeping that in mind of, like, what are my boundaries around that? And, like, you know, how to explore that. So. Yeah. Well, this will be interesting. Yeah. And fun. So what are we talking about? I think we're talking about dating. We are talking about dating. Which I am always uh, such an observer for. I'm always very adjacent because the majority of my clients are single. So unmarried. And most of them, like, actually, like, not in relationships. Yeah. And a lot of my friends, for the most part, too. So So I think that's an important thing to point out, even from the start, is that um, there's a difference between... Well, obviously, there's a difference, but differentiating between a person who is single and dating versus a person who's in a committed relationship or a long-term relationship, monogamous, poly, whatever, and then people who are married. And so we're going to have different part two of this will be us talking about marriage. Um, but I had a client one time who told me this definition and I was like, I'm going to steal that from you and I am using it all the time because it is so great. And I've told it to you before, but I'm going to say for our listeners and other clients have heard me say this about defining like what those terms are. So for her, um, dating was like the casual of I'm going on dates with people and we're not committed to each other. We're just like feeling things out. Then, um, being in a relationship or boyfriend, girlfriend was, am I saying that right now? I'm like questioning that. Yeah, I guess. Um, Uh-oh. <laughs> hold on. Let me pause this for a quick. I was just going to say, it's funny because there are all these different stages of relationships always. And whenever you're like in high school or your teenager or whatever that is, and you're like, well, we're just talking. Mm-hmm. No, okay, now, like, he asked me to be his girlfriend, and, like, now we're, I don't, I doubt anyone uses the term, like, going steady, but, like, there's always been all these terms about how we talk about the evolution of relationships and stuff, and so, she remembered Kelly, it. you're you're the expert on the evolution of relationships, <laughs> because you've had to be in them as they're evolving. Oh, my goodness. So, I just remembered the other exclusive. So, it's dating, um, exclusive, and boyfriend, girlfriend. You're welcome. Thank you for I, that. Yeah, I really feel like I helped with that. So, I'm sorry, but we have to go back and define that now. Please um, do. So, dating is when you're casually dating a person, no commitment, you're just going out on dates, you can be hooking up physically if you want to or whatever. Whatever, but it's casual being exclusive is we are dating and not dating anyone else 
but it doesn't mean that we have any like future oriented plans. And Mm -hmm. then being boyfriend, girlfriend or in a relationship is the thing that has future oriented plans. And that Mm -hmm. was so helpful for me in that idea of like getting back into dating. Cause I have never been a person who did a much, very much casual dating. I've always been like a serial monogamist or whatever. You know, my past two relationships were both four years. And so the idea of dating multiple people, whether you do it at the same time or like, like one after the other or whatever, was very confusing to me. I was like, that was so helpful. And I have a lot of other clients that have found that very helpful too. So yeah, the evolution of dating and Mm. how to define all of those things is really hard. And I think that we mentioned this on one of the previous podcasts of like, how do you have those discussions with new people when you're Mm. only, so when you're only dating and you're not trying to put pressure to be exclusive, because you may not even know if you want to be exclusive with a person, but also part of what helps you decide if you want to be exclusive with a person is to have those kinds of conversations. It's very confusing. I feel like if you really sit down and think about trying to find a romantic partner, it is just so overwhelming because it's like two people have to meet each other and like each other at the same time with something that feels like relatively the same amount. Yeah, the intensity. And then it it feels like a lot of things that have to come together. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh. That's all very intense. And it seems impossible. Although it's not because people walk around in partnerships all the time. So surely it's not impossible. But Right. And so part of what we wanted to talk about today and explore are kind of like what are the frustrations and then what are the how do you deal with those frustrations and also like not give up on that if if having a relationship is something that's important to you. And so maybe that's another part of why this feels very vulnerable is we d- very rarely or rarely, I guess, have similar experiences that our clients are having while they're having them. And so I think that that's another thing that is part of this for me is like helping clients navigate those frustrations about dating while I'm also having the frustrations about dating. And so how to manage all of that. Yeah. Being someone who is not dating, (laughs) um, I'm in a committed monogamous marriage. Um, But it actually has been very helpful for me to have a lot of single friends because I think that's how I can then relate a little bit more for my patients and the struggles that they're having in dating because I see my very close friends having those same struggles. And this has actually also been a way that TikTok has been a little bit more helpful for me in seeing um, primarily women navigating the dating scene or dating apps and kind of sharing their experiences via TikTok and me being like, Oh God, like I know it's hard out there to date, but then I'm like getting all of this like very real time data about things that people say on dating apps or things that people say when they're trying to start conversations with new potential partners. And I'm like, Oh, I feel a little bit like a voyeur because I'm getting to see these things that I've never experienced, especially because I've never dated in my adult years. Um, but it has been very helpful for me to at least have some kind of point of reference for it. Well, and it's so different than it was the last time that you ever even had to like think about dating. First of all, cause you were so young. I mean, you yeah. were in high school still when you met Travis, but, um, like the internet has really <laughs> changed dating so much. I think it's changed relationships overall. And I yeah. like, I think 
that's one thing that we'll talk about next time when we talk about marriage is how it's changed marriage and stuff too. But um, it feels very much like Netflix. Like there's so many options and all you do is swipe with your fingers and, you know, dehumanizing people because they're behind a screen and all of these kinds of things. And it's just like, yeah, it's, it's a lot to deal with. <laughs> yeah. Part of me thinks, and again, this is someone who has never participated in this. Part of me is like, wow, there's, there's a lot of advantages to that because you do get to know a, lo- a lot of information on the front end, but that's also making the assumption that the information is accurate and genuine. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, and uh, I mean, the internet and social media has really done this. It's kind of the weakest part of it, which is that it, it really reinforces people's ability to be judgmental. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, Oh God, that's such a gross part of it. But mm-hmm. so one thing yeah. that I think we, maybe we can kind of think about this from like a, all right, let's use the frame of reference or like agree that we're talking about dating from the point of like apps is the way that we're accessing people for the purpose of this conversation. And then moving into like, how do you go on a date? And then, like from there. So kind of going down the line. Mm -hmm. And so thinking about what it's like to put yourself even to make a dating profile as we're talking about this, I'm like, this might be a lot of episodes, but um, (laughs) I remember whenever my first, my first, my last relationship ended and I was thinking about getting back on the apps and talking with you and our other friends about it and just being like, like just the idea of even making this profile is like so annoying to me, which yeah, is a good signal of I wasn't ready to do it at the time. But yeah, because it's it's a very personal resume, mm-hmm. and you have to like give information, but use photos and uh, describe to me what it's like to create a dating app or not, not an app, but a profile on an app. So you have it depends on which one you use. <laughs> This is another thing. So maybe we should back up even even further. The three like primary ones are Hinge, Bumble, and Tinder. Mm-hmm. I feel like Bumble is probably. I said this to you the other day when I sent you that picture. I was like, oh my god, because I was like, I've hit the low point and made a Tinder too to like see what else is out there. But I think it's a good vetting process because a lot of the same people are on the same apps, and so yeah. seeing the differences between the profiles depending which site that they're on. Oh, I, yeah. I like the detective-y aspect of Girl, you know that I am doing all the research. So <laughs> there is, I feel like my personal experience has, is Bumble is like the most respectful one. Uh, like makes, people tend to be the nicest? Yeah, I mean, yes, but also there's a little more control there because Bumble require, if you're talking about hetero relationships, Bumble's, Bumble requires that the female message the male first. Mm-hmm. Um, some things that I don't like about it is that you only have, tw- like if you match with a person, you only have 24 hours to message them. And so if you don't message them, that match expires. And then if you want to get it back, you can pay, which is annoying. Oh. Um, but I mean, it's a business. It makes sense. But um, so then you can do that. So Bumble's like that. And you have like six pictures or something. You can write a little bit of a blurb about yourself. And then they have questions that you can answer. Mm-hmm. And you can you choose your questions? Yeah. Okay. Um, Hinge, you can see who likes you before. So I'll show you mine. Um, yes, please. I would like a visual. So this is what Hinge looks like. Sorry for all of you who are out there. So this is like what a person to swipe on. He's cute. Y'all, Matt is cute. He's <laughs> drinking some wine. 
Well, I have certain things that I look for, and if I see, I like, automatically say no to them. But um, he was kind of cute. A picture of him from childhood, and then there's a picture of his dog, but his dog is um like a general Napoleon. or something, Napoleon or something. Oh, that's funny. But okay, we'll come do, back to. Do we like him? Okay. No, I I get a, this is part of what we're going to talk about is I get a lot of stage fright with this. I'm like, so when I first made them after my last relationship ended, I would go through the people and not like anybody. I was like, I just want to see what is going on out there. Oh, and, okay. I feel like that's smart. Well, with Hinge, if you go through everybody you can start back over on Bumble. If you go through everybody, they're gone forever. You have to, I mean, you can delete it and add it back and it'll be back again, but they go into the dating black hole. Yeah. And so it's the missed opportunity, but that's how they make money off of it. So the way to see, so this is the list of people who have liked me. So I have X amount of people in there. So, but you can only see the first one. So if you want to see the next person, you either have to like this person back and like match with them or say no to them um okay i'm gonna i don't hate that i don't I mean, hate you it have to make decisions i don't hate it either yeah i think so i like that about hinge um and i dislike about bumble that you can't wait wait longer than 24 hours because mm-hmm. i don't know i keep all my notifications for everything off on my phone so if something happens like i don't even know um then these are people who are messaging hidden is like after it's been too long y'all someone wants to know what you're getting into this weekend oh my god okay. i feel like i'm gonna throw up i'm so <laughs> embarrassed um okay. of course he wants to know that you're wonderful he said oh i know but it's this part of it i'm like oh god <laughs> she was pointing at the mic yeah. she's know. like oh no people know these things am i red i feel really hot i'm just sweating <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like I'm going to cry. Oh we all really appreciate how vulnerable you're being right now. We are monitoring our physiological state, and it is uncomfortable. Yeah, are you fight or are you flight? You're not fawn. <laughs> I definitely think it's flight. Um, I'm going to bring me back up to ventral here, Jen. Come on. Well, that, <laughs> I do think this is an interesting thing of, like, you have to learn right. the apps because right. you have to – you don't want to be at a disadvantage because you don't know how to navigate it. Right. Oh, well, on. and so they'll give you examples. Well, let me just keep it moving. Yes. Um, yes. And so Tinder then is primary. Well, Hinge. It's so you have. Dicks. It's just a bunch of dicks. <laughs> There's like dick pics. Unfortunately, a lot of them. Yeah. So with, I'll show you what mine looks like so you can see. This is how it looks to make the profile. So Hinge, you cannot do an about me. You just have questions, but they're pictures. You pick six pictures and you can do prompts with them. Y'all, it's very cute. Of course it is. Um, lots of dog content. Mm-hmm. And then I'll show you what the Bumble one looks like. Bumble looks like this. I mean, mine's pretty similar, but um, you can do an about me first. And then they also have questions that you can answer. And then Tinder is mainly just pictures, and you can write a little bio. So I feel like Hinge and Bumble have things that I like and dislike about both of them. I would say that they're kind of equal as far as, like, intentions, maybe, or, like, quality of intentions if you're looking for a relationship. There's definitely people in there that are not looking for that, but I feel like that's more of it. And Tinder is more, like... Hookup. Yeah, it's also... It just feels a little... Which is kind of not fair to say because I met the person who I most recently dated on Tinder, but um, that was four, five, almost six years ago now. And so 
Bumble and Hinge didn't even exist back then. It was just Tinder and like plenty of fish and match and stuff like that. So yes, you need to figure out the apps and figure out like how you want to present yourself and all of that. So one of the things that was very scary for me was knowing that I have clients who are dating and that they might see me on there and feeling, I've told you this before, but I'll tell our audience that it felt very similar to when on the episode of Sex in the City and Carrie gets an email from Big for the first time and she like falls on the ground and she's like, oh, can he see me? Like, does, he, does he know where I am? Um, that's how it feels to, to me to put yourself out there like that. Mm-hmm. And really know that like you're out there in, in the ether and people are making judgments against you and there's like really nothing you can do about it. That's a very scary, vulnerable kind of thing. So it sucks. That part of it sucks. Yeah, I'm trying to imagine what that must be like and feel like. And, yeah, interesting. Because I could, you know, when when you're out in the world, you're shopping, you're eating, whatever's happening, and you're like, I think I know that person. Um, That happens to me all the time now. I'm like, I recognize people from from dating sites. Yes. I remember whenever I was a server and a bartender, like I would see people and I'd be like, oh, I must have served them before. Or I even see that happen with my husband now where he'll be like, oh, I designed their yard or something. Um, But other that doesn't really happen to me unless I run into clients. Um, But yeah, I would imagine that. Or like, what if, God, you went on a job interview and you're like, oh my God, Mm -hmm. the guy interviewing me is someone I saw on a dating app. Just that. And not that any of that really means anything. It's just weird. It's right. just a weird way to have this strange interface on your phone and, like, know some things about people who you don't actually know. Yeah. Wow, it's, what an experience. Yeah, it's definitely strange. And so then the next component of that is, like, so there's the experience of creating your own presentation that you're putting out there, but then transitioning and, well, we can stick with that, too, like, picking the right pictures, right? So, like, it feels so annoying that we're even having this conversation while also holding it. Like that's the world that we live in. So it's a thing and you can be annoyed and like have it be a thing. Yeah. Just acknowledging that and feeling like that. I'd like to explore that just for a second. Something about talking about social media feels maybe self-indulgent in some way or like Mm -hmm. feel, I don't know. It just feels like, well, I think it feels not real and then you have to use it. That's to a do point. a real thing, like you, because I'm just thinking about my experience right now. I'm like, well, I can have all these judgments about dating apps and what that must be like, because I don't have to do it. Yeah. But you, you have to, you can be like, I don't really particularly like that. This is how I have to put myself out there and meet my next potential partner. But I don't, the other options that you have are very much limit your accessibility to right. meeting an, right. another romantic It's not partner. like you can't meet somebody in real life first, yeah. but you're definitely going to narrow the pool that you have to potentially meet a person, especially with COVID and everything. So that was like a whole other thing. But so yeah, picking the pictures that you want to choose, it's like, well, I want to show like what my hobbies are, but I also want to like what I look like or my dogs or my friends, or I want to show that I'm funny. So I have this picture of when I'm a little kid with like cake all over my, like, what am I trying to show the world? Um, And also, so it's also and maybe this just shows how judgmental I can be about it. But when I'm looking at other people's profiles, I think about the pictures that they put up, Mm -hmm. but I also think about the pictures that they don't put up. So like if every single picture is a selfie, 
I'm like, do you have any other people in your life who can take pictures of you for you? Like, do you have family and friends that you spend time with or things like that? Y'all, I cannot tell you how many of these men have picture selfie pictures in a bathroom mirror. Yeah, we have a front-facing camera on our phone. (laughs) Why? Why? Why are we taking pictures in a mirror? Maybe this is also part of your job to educate the the straight men of the of the dating apps. And you gotta do the above angle. The below the chin angle is not working for you. It's not flattering. It's not great. I don't want to see up your nose. Okay, just don't want to do it. Oh God. Well, (laughs) this also really brings. Uh, uh, the topic of perception, mm-hmm. right? Because you're sitting here trying to curate your your dating profile to be like, yeah, these are my hobbies. This is also what I look like when I'm like kind of fancy, but also in my regular just day-to-day life. And it's, right, you're trying to be like, because this is what I'm trying to put out there, but who knows how other people receive it? Right. And is it as it's intended? Who knows? Right. Ugh. It's very, and I probably can get into the space of really over <laughs> overthinking it. Oh, and I know it's such a surprise. Um, and a lot of people probably just don't care that much, but I think a lot of people do care that much. And so, you know, but then, so pick even just making your profile and then looking at other people's profile. I have certain things that like, if they have certain political things listed automatic, no, I don't care if everything else is great. Like if you care that much about something that is opposing to what I care about enough to put on your dating profile, you like it too much for us to get along romantically. Um, so things like that. Then we can talk about the piece about like, well, you can put things like your height and your weight and your job and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So that idea of judging a book by its cover and not wanting to like present yourself a certain way. Like I went on a date recently where the guy had put a certain height on his profile, which I don't particularly care about height because I'm five four. So like most people are going to be taller than me. Yeah. Um, but when I met him, I was like, oh, he's definitely not that height, which I didn't care that he wasn't that height, but I cared that he lied about it. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, this is interesting. I will say that is something that I have very much learned in the past couple of years is this idea of height and how important it is in the realm of dating. Let me tell you something. What? <laughs> Every, almost, I would say 85% of the dudes profiles who I see will put their height. That's a lie. If they're over six feet tall, they'll say six two if that matters. And they always say if that matters. And I want to put out a PSA to people that clearly you know it matters if you got to say if that matters. Mm-hmm. And that just makes you look like an asshole. Yeah. So just say your height <laughs> if that's something that you want to tell people. Because you also have the option to put nothing out on there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I do think that people who are looking for people who are a certain height because of their own height, most likely... Like, we have a friend who is tall, and she wants to date someone who's taller than her. And I think that makes total sense and is allowed. Um, mm-hmm. But don't not tell the truth. Like, yeah, even if you're worried that you're gonna, it's going to limit you. Like, it is going to limit you. But when a person sees you in real life, if they think that your height is going to limit you, they're going to say they don't like you anyway. Yeah. 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 It's so weird. So I'm for average height. I'm 5'6". And I have never thought about height before. My husband is 6'2". 
Which is maybe if, one reason you never thought about it before. If that matters. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I literally never thought about it before. And with our friend who is tall, I do understand why height really matters to her because even if she didn't care about height, I think that men would care about that if they were shorter than her. Um, but also, I started learning that how much that is important to a lot of women who aren't particularly tall women. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's like a thing. I d- okay. Like, interesting. Yeah. I don't really have that much of a judgment about it. It's just something I didn't know existed mm-hmm. that now I know does. That's like, wow, that's something that someone finds very appealing or non-negotiable in a, re- in a relationship. And... And they're allowed to choose whatever that is for themselves. But I was like, oh, interesting. So I will say that the things that I see most commonly on the profiles are stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Usually a picture of them holding a dead animal of some kind, whether it's a fish or a deer or whatever. Um, A picture of them, the freaking mirror bathroom picture, or in a gym. Like, it's either a gym or whatever. Which is just... I don't know why that bothers me so much. I'm going to have to reflect on that a little bit. Um, something about that feels very weird. Um, and then I would suggest to anybody who needs a good laugh and is feeling discouraged, this might not help you not feel discouraged, but it will make you feel seen. Um, Amelia Sampson's YouTube and TikToks oh, are so, so funny. Good. So she's just like reviewing um, dating profiles and stuff. And it's just really great. It brings It makes you just not feel alone. Yeah. Um, Okay, so then let's talk about, like, what causes people to swipe yes or no. Yes, please. So, for me, and this is one of the things that I think is, like, kind of like Netflix, I don't like to say... Yeah, like, how how wide of a net are you trying to cast? Like, Well, so you can put filters on to, like, have certain ages and stuff like that and certain distance... Yeah, but are you also trying to really say yes to a lot of people, or right. are you trying to not to I'm, be pretty picky? I try to be more selective about it, okay. um, but there are a lot of people who will just say yes to everything, mm-hmm. or say there's some people who say no to everything, which is what I was doing when I first started it, because I yeah. really wasn't ready to date. I just wanted to be like at the zoo, seeing what animals were there but I didn't necessarily want to interact with any of them. <laughs> I just wanted to see what was there. Uh-huh. So, um, I mean, a big part of it is looks, obviously, which is, yeah. you know, part of dating people. And I think that that's a really, I'd like to talk about that and hear your thoughts about it, I guess, from the perspective of like, okay, a person who doesn't want to be shallow, mm-hmm. but also like knowing that, Attract. And so when I say looks, what I mean is attraction. So I don't want to say like, oh, I think that person is a 10 out of 10. Because mm-hmm. sometimes if I think somebody's really good looking, I will also not swipe on them. Yeah, it's too intimidating. Yeah. Or, okay, this is... I know. Well. <sighs> These are my thoughts on that. Like, you want to be physically attracted to the person that you're dating. Yeah. But what... That exists on some kind of continuum, right? Mm-hmm. Or spectrum or whatever. Because... Do you want them, do you want to think like, gosh, that person's really hot or you just don't want them to be what you would consider to be ugly or unattractive? Right. And God, even that sounds really shallow to say, but it's like, yeah, is that person cute? And what if you met them in person and their personality even then made them seem so much more attractive to you? So yeah, I don't think you can be like, this person's not a 10 out of 10, so I'm not going to swipe on them. Right. Mm -hmm. I will say that some of the 
pictures that I find more appealing are pictures that seem to display personality. Yeah. So, like, if a person is making a funny face in a picture, not like a gross face or something, but just like, mm-hmm. like, like how you smile in your face, like when you exactly like she can't see her, but she generally you've seen them on our Instagram maybe, but generally smiles a particular way in pictures. And like, if I saw pictures like that, I'd be like, that's her personality. Yeah. She seems fun, you know. Thank <laughs> you. Um, I am. I like to see people who have hobbies that are similar to mine. Like if there's hiking pictures and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they have pictures with other people, like not all the pictures can be with other people because you don't have to try to figure out who is the person you're actually looking for. Oh, um, yeah. Because I've seen times before when it's like every single picture has multiple people in them and sometimes the same multiple people. So you don't know who you're talking to. It feels very catfishy. I also think that the show Catfish has really like impacted my perception and experience of doing this. But that's another. We can talk about that another time. Um, yeah. But, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I don't know if you want to bring this up, but there was an incident that happened, I don't know, last year where you you saw someone on a dating profile that you liked and the two of you started kind of chatting a little bit and you noticed that you had a mutual friend in common. When you reached out to the mutual friend about him, he was like, yeah, he's in a relationship with someone. I was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, we just were chatting. Yeah, so it um, wasn't, like, anything intense. But... Right, because I asked that person. I was like, tell me about this person. Like, because he was in the picture. It wasn't that I found out that mm-hmm. um, they were friends. It was like the guy that I knew was in the picture with this person. And my friend was like, was he married? He, or no, I think he, he was in a long-term, long-term relationship. relationship. Yeah. And I was like, oh, what? And so then I was like, oh. I've got to teach this guy a lesson. <laughs> and so that that's, yes. So you don't really ever know what's happening. Yeah, it's such a risk. Yeah. So, man, I just need to take a second to laugh. I totally forgot about that. I did too until we were just sitting here. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, God. Because that just made me so angry and felt so protective of you. Mm-hmm. I'm like, God, these shitty God, these shitty just people out there who, not that they're preying on, on people who are trying to get in relationships, but it's like... Well, and so I really appreciate the people who post on there, like, which is not something that I would want to participate in just because of, like, what my guidelines are for myself or my boundaries are. But, like, I appreciate the people who are, like, I am married and looking for something discreet. Mm -hmm. Like, great. At least you're at least saying that instead of pretending like you're not. Like, that person was using a fake name and all this kind of stuff. Like, Like, what did you expect to happen whenever you meet a person? And I guess maybe they don't intend to meet. I don't know. But so that's a ne- so the next thing is like okay fi- finally we have come to a match, yeah. Now we have to talk to each other, which is also and so that's one thing another thing I don't like about but I like but I don't like about Bumble is that the women have to talk first because that's just scary to do. Yeah. How often do guys not respond? Well, I don't feel like I have a large enough sample size of me actually talking first. <laughs> So, like, on my Bumble, I have five matches that have expired because I didn't say anything. Mm. Um, sometimes it happens because I forget and run out of time. Time, But other times it's because I get too nervous and I don't want to say anything. So, sometimes I'll try to open with, like, a funny GIF. Like, I was so... Pr- so, here's a perfect example of this. I was, like, really agonizing over this opening thing. Because I had matched with a bunch of people, and I was like, all right, I'm finally going to talk to somebody. Yeah. That was, like, building up to that. So I picked this um, gif of a dog sliding on ice, like, not being, 
I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> not being able to like walk on the ice or whatever. And so I sent that gif and I was like, just trying to break the ice. And I thought it was really funny and I was really proud. Oh my God. I want to cry again. I'm so embarrassed. I, it was really... <laughs> I love this. It's so cute. Because that's really who I am, right? And like, yeah. you're, you've always been so encouraging. Like you're like awkward and authentic and it's adorable. Uh-huh. And I, like, I appreciate that because that's who I am. But then uh, like a couple people laughed at it, but then like some people didn't respond and I felt so rejected by the fact that they didn't respond to it. So I was like, mm. Guess I'm not going to talk to anybody for another three months. <laughs> Try um, again. So, yeah. I also, I honestly think that that's a really good way to weed people out, though, from your mm-hmm. end. Of, like, if you don't think that that's kind of, like, cute and, like, a little, you know, and witty, then, like, all right, bye, on to the next one. Well, it's very, Jen sent me this TikTok last night that was a girl who would, like, <laughs> make songs out of the names of the people. And, like, so she would send a voice note and, like, sing them a song, which... I sing songs on voice notes and send them to Jen sometimes, and so it was a perfect idea. But it's the same kind of thing, right? It's like, because it, back to, like, you want to stand out and, like, not just be another person from, ugh, it's exhausting. This really reminds me of the very first episode that's on The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, Bachelorette, when they have to, like, come and meet yeah, the person. Exactly. And, like, how people try to do things that, you right, to set them apart, because you're meeting all these people, and at the end of the night, people have to go, and someone's going to get the rose, and... And it's like sometimes you're like, oh, like good try, but like, Meh. Yeah, and then some mark. <laughs> yeah, and then sometimes you're like, oh, oh, I don't like that at all. So yeah, yeah, it's the same. Th- you have to try to get to this weird sweet spot of standing out and being approachable and endearing and intriguing, but but like uh, not too weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's why I keep making that sound. That's really what it is. Is like it's exhausting. Like, so when we talk about, like, oh, it's so terrible, it's really actually not terrible. Like, none of the things that I'm saying, and there, to be fair, there are people who have had really terrible experiences and, like, been abused, basically, and that's not what we're talking about. It's just, it requires a lot of effort to do all of this, and then to put forth so much effort, and then go out on dates, and then feel like, okay, that was fine, but it wasn't great, or whatever and it's just exhausting yeah well I see for a lot of my patients who are who are putting themselves out there for dating get really exhausted and at some point I see them get really defeated yeah because it is a lot of work and effort with very little payoff and that's something that I try to really emphasize to them is you know not every person that you're trying to connect with can be the one that Mm -hmm. you're looking for you just need the you know, one of them to be the one that you're really going to connect with. But then that's also like, here's this huge pool and we just need one person to not be shitty. And when that still isn't happening, it's like, is it ever going to happen? And dating is the ultimate risk because you're putting yourself out there and saying, am I good enough for you to find attractive and worthy of talking to and worthy of taking on a date and... Not that we, not that your worth should be, you know, caught up in dating. That's obviously not what I'm saying, but. Well, also something you just, what you just said about like, I only need one person to not be shitty. It's Mm -hmm. like, I really don't want that to be my bar. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I would like for the bar to be like, I would like someone to be pretty great. (laughs) (laughs) I know that's not what you meant, but I do think that that is something that impacts how people then get into these relationships that are 
not shitty, but they're not great. And it's, then people feel very dissatisfied and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. you have to have a certain will, level of willingness to like mm-hmm. go on a lot of shitty dates. And so something yeah. that I've determined for myself is that if I go on a date with a person and whether I like it or not, well, if I like it, I'll go on more dates. But if I don't like it, I usually don't match or talk to anybody again for like at least a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. I'll look at them, but I won't really talk to anybody because it just takes a lot of energy. So I like need to re um, recharge, basically. Yeah. Um, but I also think um, one other thing that I was going to say that's drifting out of my brain. Hold on. Taking time to recharge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After, so you go on a date and it's not really a good match. Yeah. I can't remember. It's gone. Whatever. Um, <laughs> moving on, I guess. So, nope, it's going to drive me crazy. I'm going to have to think about it for a second. I can pause it here and come back when I think about it. <laughs> what was it? What mm-hmm. thing the person to be? Oh, okay. I remember what it is. I'm back. Um, I have the luxury of being able to take that time because I don't want to have kids. Oh, uh, yeah. And so that is a whole other piece of pressure that is not really going to be part of this conversation too much because that's not our, like, my experience with dating um, is that I don't want to have children. So I don't feel that pressure of time with my age and all that to, like, find the guy. Mm-hmm. And so then I can have a baby. Yeah. Um, and I think that really changes the experience that people have while they're dating, which leads me to another piece of, like, the what guys' profiles can look like. I've done my own anecdotal research on this um, that – and this, I don't know how this might make some people feel, but my experience is because that's one of the things if somebody has that they want kids on their profile, I used to say no to that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there are like, everybody says they want kids. And so I don't want to be with a person who says they want kids because I don't want them. And so I started saying yes to some of those people. And a lot of them actually didn't care about like, they didn't necessarily want kids. They were okay with kids if the other person wanted them. And so I think that a lot of times people say they want stuff because they think it makes them look more appealing, whether it's kids or something else. Yeah. And um, so that goes back to like, maybe I need to take, like be a little less picky about the people that I'm connecting with and all of that. But then it goes back to, again, if I feel, I'm wasting time. And so it's just a really complex thing. Well, I mean, really your only non-negotiable is health insurance. (laughs) That is really the main thing. I mean, y'all, that's why Kelly's out in these streets trying to do, she's trying to get that good health insurance plan because the marketplace is not cutting it. (laughs) And it's pricey. Mm. Oh man. But, but, but if another good example though, if a person has kids, but doesn't say they have kids, I have a real problem with that. Yeah. Because, and I, now I always ask if I, before I go, like, if I'm at the point of like, okay, I'd like to go out with this person. If, if they have kids, I'm not going to do it mm-hmm. because I don't want to have kids, whether they're yours or mine or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think that the, there are certain things that impact your life that if you're not forthcoming about that, it feels very dishonest to a person. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just like, oh man. I was looking, so I'm in like one of the Peloton Facebook groups for the singles group. It is spicy in there, y'all. But um, somebody was talking about that and the conversation was saying that like, I think that that is because a lot of people think that they can tell you 
what you want more than you can tell you what you want. That idea of like, if you meet my kids, you'll love them. And so you'll yeah. change your mind, which is like not the way to start a foundation of a relationship of the idea of changing the other person. Cause got news for you. That shit ain't going to work. So we're going to have to make two dating episodes cause we're already at like X amount of time or whatever. And we had a long way to go, but hopefully people find this information interesting. And if not, it's helpful for me, I guess. <laughs> But yeah, so now we're talking to people. We have yeah. we have picked a funny opener. Hopefully, they have they liked it. Had some happened. response to it. And so then there's the stage of like, when do you transition to giving someone your phone number and t- taking and it out of the app. app? Yeah. So on Hinge, you can put your whole name, and it like so when someone, if I match with a guy named Matt. But then, so it'll just say Matt on the thing, but when we match, it'll show me his whole name. I don't put my whole name on there because I'm a millennial woman and I know how dangerous that is. Mm -hmm. Um, But because here's the thing, guys and gals and people, that if we know something, if we can, we're we're researching you. We are all researching each other. So (laughs) as soon as I match with a person and I see their full name, I'm Googling them, looking at them on Facebook, looking Mm -hmm. at them on Instagram. Not because I'm a stalker, but because I want to make sure that they aren't going to kill me. Yeah, of course. (laughs) And so finding all that information. But that brings up another thing of like when you give a person your phone number, a lot of people will make um, like Google numbers instead of giving them their real phone numbers. Um, What do you think about that? I think that I should probably do that. Mm. I have to figure out how to do that. but I think that that is a really good idea, and it helps to screen people, mm-hmm. particularly because we haven't even really talked about this a ton besides that sec- statement I just made a second ago of, like, the concept of safety mm-hmm. with all of these things. And, I mean, giving people your phone number gives them access to a lot of information about you, potentially, and giving people your pictures gives them information and where, yeah. where you work and all of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, but, Okay we'll just consider like that part of this that we're not going to dive into on a deeper level. Yeah. So we talking on, excuse me, talking on like texting or whatever. Some people will like to do like a FaceTime call before they meet a person. And some people will just go on a date. Some people like to talk for a long time and some people don't like to talk much at all and just go on a first date. Yeah. So what do you think about any of that? I think in my own anecdotal like evidence gathering from hearing you and other friends date and from seeing patients date to me, it sounds like there's a lot more success when you don't talk for a long time before the date. It's like you talk and obviously there's a level of comfort of, yes, I feel safe enough to meet you in public and and spend some time with you. But I think that when you talk for a very long time without meeting and then try to do the transition to in-person, I've seen that be a lot less successful. Or I've seen people never meet. It always, like, they get canceled on again and again and again because they're drawing out that process for some reason. Mm -hmm. That's what I've noticed. Yeah, a lot of people will, um, also, I've seen people put this on their profiles, like, I'm not here for a, a pen pal. Oh. Which meaning, like, they want to meet or whatever. I also just think there's a lot of really passive aggressive ways that people communicate. Like you, instead of saying, I'm not here for a pen pal, you can say like, I'm really looking to meet someone. So if you don't intend on meeting, like swipe left or whatever. But I also think that probably tells me they've had some bad experiences with that. Yeah. 
Not that's excusing it, but yeah. it's like I, that. I think that it pro- that came from something. So let's talk about. Okay, this is a perfect time to talk about the comment that I got from somebody when I told him I didn't want to go outside for a date. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. <laughs> and yes. so the difference of perception that we had mm-hmm. based on our own experiences and all this kind of stuff. This is so funny. So I was talking to this person and we were trying to schedule to like go on a date or whatever. And I was like, we should plan to go somewhere inside tomorrow because it's supposed to rain. And that person said back to me, what, you're scared to get wet? And if you could see my face, it changed. (laughs) And I had the reaction of like, nope, I do not like that. I think that you are making a inappropriate sexual innuendo and I've never even met you before. So bye. And I didn't, I told the guy I didn't want to go out with him anymore. Mm -hmm. And Jen had a very different perspective on that. She thought, what? I thought that could have meant lots of, that could have just meant like, it could have just been him saying in, I don't know. Who's going to ask a person that they, what, you don't want to have a date in the rain? I think he was trying to be witty, saying. I have no idea. <laughs> but I thought there was more than one explanation for he was trying to make a sexual innuendo to you. So. I feel like that probably is true, that there is yeah. more one explanation. But I think the fact that my reaction to it was what it was is demonstrative of some of the experiences that I've had with dating people. And also that if I felt like if I went out with him anyway, it would feel like crossing my own boundary. Yeah. Well, I don't have to go out with him. So you have to make the choice all on your own. And I wasn't trying to say I'm right and you're wrong, but I just meant like the difference of interpretation about Mm -hmm. that and how those things can be risky. But this experience of like really being able to identify like this is a boundary that I have and whether it's based on fact or fiction, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to cross it for myself. And I think that with dating, especially if there's pressure and like fear of not wanting to be alone and wanting to have kids and all that kind of stuff, that people are, and that idea of like, well, at least he's not shitty. Mm-hmm. Like people really being willing to make exceptions to their boundaries to not be by themselves. And yeah. something, the philosophy that I took when I was going to start dating again after my last relationship was I am going to try to tell if I like them rather than trying to make them like me. Yeah. And that has been very helpful for me. Mm-hmm. I'm still single which is great because I don't want to be in a relationship with the people who weren't going to do that. And so just, I think that so much of this conversation revolves around like, maybe this is a whole other thing, but like, when are you ready to date? Yeah. Well, and when are you ready to be willing and give people, and this is not specific to the situation you just shared, but like, and give people a chance. And if you are, if everything makes you fearful about it, or if everything makes you like, look for an excuse to not talk to someone or date someone, then yeah, you probably aren't ready. And Mm -hmm. I think that's also something that I have to talk with my patients a lot about of like, okay, let's make sure we're following our intuition and not there's a difference between intuition and paranoia. Mm -hmm. So like when is something an actual red flag and when is something like, okay, I think you're being scared and being a little bit avoidant. Um, And that can be anything, not just dating, but that's also a really hard thing to gauge and you're the only person who can do it. So mm-hmm. it's tough. Yep. It's tough out there. So we have like, we probably have about 15 ish minutes left based on the breaks and stuff that we had to take. So I'm trying to decide if we want to, 
this is what I'm thinking, and you tell me what you think, that yeah. we do a part two of, like, dating and moving into a relationship. Yeah. And then we'll do part three of marriage or whatever. Sure. Okay, so what I want to spend the next 15 minutes talking about then is we can talk a little bit of, like, that how do you know when you're ready to date kind of stuff. And also talk about what it's like to date as a therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, and this might be also more of what we talk about in the re- like relationship one too. But the idea of pacing, I think, mm-hmm. is what I would like to talk about first. So when you move from like chatting with a person and then going to date them like face-to-face or whatever, how do you think... Or what do you think is appropriate pacing for, like, development of relationships? <laughs> Your face is like, oh, boy, that's a big question. Yeah. Obviously, it varies for person to person and stuff like that. But that idea of, like, looking for red flags and what's paranoia and what's not. And, like, what are – I'm asking a bunch of different questions. I understand that might be confusing. Yeah. But. I, I don't know. I think pace is a good – or considering what that looks like for you is a good thing to be reflective on because – it's very easy to be like, I've had negative situations with dating or not even negative ones, but felt like the effort was not very fruitful. And then you find someone that you do like, and then you just go all in and it's like, okay, that's, that's unhelpful. Like if you both like each other, why are we rushing into anything? And so I I understand people want to be opportunistic and like strike while the iron's hot. Like we both like each other. Let's spend a lot of time together and it's, okay, what if you did just meet this person on last Thursday, you don't need to spend every single day with them for the next 12 days or, or something like that. Like, it's a, don't lose yourself in the piece of that. And I think it's also really sad to see someone who is really focused on dating because they are wanting to spend, find someone to spend their life with. And then once they get into dating or, or find someone who could be a potential partner, then you never see them again. Like, Mm -hmm. then I never see my friend again because they have found someone and they've thrown everything into that. And that has felt like they put all their eggs in that basket and didn't kind of look at the other things that really give them meaning in their life or, or that are fulfilling to them. And then that relationship goes badly. And then it's so much more that they have to pick up around themselves. Mm -hmm. So that makes me think about, um, like for our listeners who go to therapy and if one of the things that they go for is because they want to talk about like how to have healthy relationships and stuff like that, or that they have had this relationship kind of trauma stuff happening that if you're talking about relate, like healthy relationships in your therapy, you should also be talking about attachment. Yes. And if you don't know what that means, ask your therapist to talk (laughs) to you about attachment because we are, all trying to get our needs met Mm -hmm. and some people have a secure attached way of doing that which is like the the healthy open dynamic kind of like Mm -hmm. conjunction with a person some people have anxious ways of doing that which is like i'm scared that this thing is going to go away so i'm going to leech on really tight to it Mm -hmm. other people have avoidant ways of like wow this feels intense so i'm going to run away from it and then some people have disorganized all over the place so like yeah, talking about attachment is so essential. And I think that, that that phrase of, like, you can't love someone until you love yourself mm. is an annoying phrase, and it's really true. You had a reaction go with that. Just, I, I don't believe that's true. Say some more. 
Um, and this is also part of like um, some of my own training about humans being social creatures. Mm-hmm. And um, there's this quote that is, I want to say it's a roomy quote, but I could be wrong, but um, is because we are, I am, mm-hmm. which is actually the idea that we can't really learn how to love ourselves until we have been loved by someone else. Mm-hmm. And so I really want to think about that, not from the realm of from a romantic partner, but from our family template. Mm-hmm. So if I never had my needs met appropriately in childhood, then I don't know how to have my needs met. So if my parents were never um, attached to me, I didn't have secure attachment with them, right? That meant I understand I can explore my world, but I have a home base that I can come back to that is safe. Mm -hmm. And if we don't have that, then we don't know how we relate to the world around us and the people that exist in that world. And so my viewpoint is, is a little bit the opposite of that. Well, it's helping me want to recognize that I didn't accurately articulate what I meant when I said that. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that it's entirely true that you can't love someone until you love yourself. Mm -hmm. But I think that you have to, that there is truth in that statement of, I don't think that you can necessarily look for relationships to heal all of the things that you might need to pay attention to Mm -hmm. and heal yourself and they can help and they can be reparative But until you know what some of your boundaries are, for example, it's not healthy to go out. If you don't know what your boundaries are and you're going out and trying to date someone, you're not going to have reparative experiences. You're going to have more traumatizing ones. Yeah. Well, I think, I think you're right. Maybe it was the wording that we were getting lost in there because I see a lot of my patients struggle with them not seeing the value of themselves. And so attempting to find that through others and... Um, I was having to have a conversation recently in attempting to process dating experiences with a patient in session and them, them being able to say to me, I am looking for these men to validate me because that's, that's the only kind of validating that actually feels meaningful to me. And, and her saying like, I know that's problematic, but that's what's driving some of this behavior and us having to sit down and be reflective of like, what would it mean for you to validate yourself? Right. Are you even, ca- are you capable of doing that? What would that look like? And again, going back to childhood of like, she didn't grow up in a family dynamic that was, Hey, you are, you are safe. And because you're a person, you are inherently worthy. You don't have to earn that worth. Right. There's not transaction. Yeah. She's like, no one's ever made me feel worthy. And so through sexual relationships with men, that's giving me some feeling of worth. And I'm sure we can all identify how that could be very problematic. So yeah, I think that is, if you don't even know your worth and your value, how can you then try to navigate that and negotiate that with other people? Right. And that's not going to happen. I think also we can talk about how like media and movies and all TV and all that kind of stuff has really negatively distorted our perception of what is romance versus what is partnership, what is intensity versus what is love, what is passion versus what is connection, like all of these things. Because movies and entertainment is built on the idea that you have a major conflict and then a resolution of it, and that's all very exciting. And so people feel very drawn to that or have romanticized this idea of like a tragic love story, right? Like the Mm -hmm. Romeo and Juliet, we loved each other so much that we died. 
that's not healthy, guys. We don't want to do that. Like, I yeah. talk about this all the time, that the notebook is one of the most terrible, like, templates for what a healthy romantic relationship is. That that literally, their relationship started with a guy threatening to kill himself. Mm-hmm. Saying, if you don't go out with me, I'm going to fall from the Ferris wheel and die. Mm-hmm. Wow, we really need to like examine when we're feeling really intense stuff, like what need is being met by that intensity? Mm-hmm. And is it actually healthy connection? Or is it like, I feel so desired, or I feel super needed by this person or whatever, and really getting into like, is that healthy or not? And what kind of foundation is that going to lay for your future relationships? So... Yeah, well, and that just, I mean, hello, codependence. Right. Right, let me give up my needs and my feelings to satisfy your own, and let me try to save you from any unpleasant experience you could have. How is any of that helpful, right? Mm -hmm. We want to be interdependent, not codependent. We want to say, wow, there are aspects of this relationship that really meet a lot of needs, and we do have to exist in relationship as humans. That's that part of how we live our lives as a species. Um, so there is something very important about that, but it should be, I go do my thing, you go do your thing. And then we spend time together mm-hmm. where we get to meet each other's needs and have intimate connection. Like all of that stuff should happen at the same time. Um, yeah. I often say to clients, like it's not half and half make a whole it's one in one make two Yeah, or one in one and one make three or whatever your yeah. relationship dynamic is. But like that, idea of that you are not complete without another person versus this other person really enhances me yeah um and my perspective on that might change if I meet a soulmate or something like that but you know I I think that like and we'll talk about this with you like more of your perspective but I think that you and your relationship have a really healthy balance of having your own separate lives and then doing stuff together and really prioritizing each other and things like that. So, but yeah, I think that I guess what I'm trying to talk about or get people to think about and hopefully take into their own like self-discovery and therapy is like, what is your own stuff that you're bringing into relationships Mm -hmm. or dating or marriage or whatever work friendships is not just romantic relationships but what is your own stuff and how are you aware of that and how do you deal with it when you're trying to include other people in your dynamics yeah but also what about when you're in a really healthy place and you're in relationship with someone who maybe has a lot of wounds that have not been healed Mm -hmm. and are you willing to allow for that and put in the work that's needed for that because some people are and some people are like that is too much for me and it can also be really hard when you and I think we've alluded to this in former episodes or may have just been talking to patients about this a lot um someone can only really meet you as deeply as they've been able to meet themselves. And so I see a lot of patients get really well in therapy and then look around at the people they surrounded themselves with and be like, fuck, like they don't get it. And, and those kinds of things. And that seeing like, wow, as you're evolving, if other people around you aren't like, what does that mean? That doesn't mean that we need to kick them out of our lives, but it does mean that there may be like a disconnect with some of those things or an advantage that you may have over them or something like that. And all of that is fine if you are willing to find acceptance for and reconcile some of those things. And 
I've seen in a lot of relationships someone be really wounded and their partner be in a much healthier place. And then that maybe you take on a parenting role almost yeah. for your partner or, you know, that really impacts the the dynamic that you have with them. And a lot of times that's not sustainable. Well, and I also think that a huge part of that is like how much tolerance and what I don't mean like, I mean, distress tolerance, or how much mm-hmm. distress tolerance or how much distress, distress can you tolerate if your partner is not, is the, like, you're the wounded part. Oh my gosh. Your partner is the wounded one and they're not doing anything about it. Yeah. Cause that's a different conversation, right? Like I'll use the example of like, okay, you're, you've been on this therapy train for a long time. You are the conductor. You are driving it. Like, yes, you are heading to the next station and that feels really good. And then you're looking around and you're like, damn, all these people, I thought they were on my train, but like, they're not. Is your partner at least at the station yeah. buying their ticket? Like, Or are they at home wondering when the train is going to come? You know, like, so yeah. Yeah. Do you, does your partner have a willingness to move into a healthier space or are they in their own therapeutic process and they just need time to catch up because we're not all going to be running the race at the same time. We're all running the same race, I think, but we're not always running it together. Sometimes we're ahead or behind our partner and all of that can be fine. And I think that also means like, okay, so then again, what is your stuff and what is theirs? Cause I know something that impacted my own relationship with my spouse was he was struggling and I had to be like, I want to, I want to stay your wife. I don't want to be your therapist. And he didn't want me to be either, but I was like, you're really needing feedback from me in a way that like, I think you could get it from someone else. And I also don't want to be the only one giving you the feedback Mm -hmm. and how much that was so helpful when he got into his own therapeutic process and also how, how willing he was able to hear information when it didn't come from me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. He got, he would get offended sometimes when I told him things that when his therapist says that he thinks she's brilliant. So cause she is, I know. And that is, (laughs) but, um, but that was one of those things of like, Ooh, okay. We've been very supportive to each other for the majority of our relationship, but now that's going beyond something that I'm willing or I think I can provide to you because it would better come from someone else. Um, So I'm glad that you said that because that wraps it back around to which will maybe this is where we'll pick up with the um, what it's like to to be in a relationship that's committed versus um, marriage or whatever. But the idea of being a therapist and being in a relationship because something that I have dealt with. And also I have some clients who have been in, even, even if they're not therapists, but like have had the dynamic of want either wanting to be the therapist to their partner or the person they're dating or that person wanting them to be that to them. And just recognizing like, okay, how do you know when that's happening? Mm -hmm. Like when, when can you tell that that dynamic is shifting into that place? For me, it feels very much like I am giving you a lot of feedback and you're not giving me much at all. Mm-hmm. Like I'm spending a lot of time supporting you, but I feel like I'm not getting any attention basically is what it is. And yeah. that sounds a little juvenile to say it like that, but it's true that like we all want attention. And so it's well, just it's also about reciprocity. Right. Right. Um, and I also can have the feeling of like, I know what it feels like to be at work and I know what it feels like to be at home. And does this feel like work or does this feel like home? Yeah. And so that, and I think that's more clear to me because I am a therapist. And so for other people who have, are just like helpers or like an Enneagram two or something like that, and kind of fall, 
fall codependent (laughs) who fall into that role and being able to be like oh shoot I'm going into that place again and like how do you get out of that and Mm -hmm. it's it's complicated it's really not easy and um being able to know that yeah well especially if um if you have your own kind of trauma history and fawn is one of your big trauma responses because another way to explain a fawn response is really people pleasing and being very focused on being nice and yesterday, I think in session, I had to talk to a client about the difference between being nice and being kind. Oh, I have that conversation a lot too. Right. Of like, why? Cause we were talking about them go like ending a relationship and whether or not we thought that they could maintain a friendship with an ex. And Ooh, that's, I'm about to write that. That's another episode <laughs> we need to have to talk about. Um, and whenever we were discussing it and I said, well, is that something you want? And they said, for their sake, I would be willing to do it. And I was like, Ooh. Oh, Okay, what about for your sake? And they're like, well, I just, you know, I want to be, I want to be nice. And I want to, and I was like, that sounds like people pleasing to me. Like it can be very kind to say to someone that the relationship itself has run its course and will not turn into a friendship. And like, that's not mean. And, and really trying to have to decipher some of those things, because I think most people are taught that it's very important to be nice or it's very important to be a good girl or a good boy or polite, especially in the South and religious culture (laughs) and how we have to overcome some of those things being like, that doesn't meet your needs Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that's not your responsibility. It's not your responsibility to be friends with your ex because they don't have a lot of friends, right? That's not your problem, right? That is their problem that they can solve on their own. Like, I'm sorry, you just don't have that much power. You're not that important. Well, and it's all, also the, a piece of that is like, and you have to do your own work of building the capacity to tolerate the discomfort that you have about yeah. other people's inability to tolerate yeah. their discomfort. Like, even I, when you were saying that, I could feel my heart being like, oh, that feels really hard to not <laughs> go into that because... There is validation in like I'm doing the I'm doing a good person thing by giving this person a friendship when it's like oh but is that like Brene, yeah. Brene would say clear is kind you know like, oh. God I say it all the time yeah. well and one of the things that I talk about a lot of times with patients is that idea of self sacrifice and how we're very much taught that that that's a badge of honor to yeah. be like I do so much for others and I always give to other people before I give to myself and it's like why do you do that. The whole idea of, like, you can't pour from an empty cup. Why are you pouring yourself so much into other people, even when you don't have anything left? That, you know, oxygen mask thing. Put yours on first before you put it on the person who needs it. Like, we have to take care of ourselves, or or there's not going to be anybody to take care of anybody else at the end of the day, because mm-hmm. we're all going to be so depleted. And yeah. if that's happening in your romantic relationship, one, I would imagine it's happening in other places as well. Um, but that might lead you to a place where you can do some work for that. I feel tired because <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of work. Like, all, mm. and that is something that I think that we all, oh gosh, I can, t- my ADHD is like, talk, I'm writing down topics for net future things. It's just like the problem with culture influencing that and all of these kinds of things. And just, we got we got to wrap it up because we're approaching the end of our time. We probably have gone over a little bit too. So, well, and I think one way that I want to bring that full circle yes, is um, 
when you said earlier, and this is something that I have shared with lots of patients um, after hearing you say it, when you say like in your experience with dating, it's way more important for you to figure out if you like them rather than if they like you and talk about a good boundary because it is not your job to make people like you. It's not. (laughs) Um, And so really take that into account if you are someone who is participating in the dating world and um, not not all people are your people and how can you figure that out and how can you use that as a way to affirm yourself and let guide your experience in creating new relationships with others, whether it's dating or friendships or other, other kinds. <sighs> I'm glad that you were able to bring that full circle. Cause I was wondering how we were going to do that. So yeah. we're going to wrap it up and then we will pick this up next week. Just like sometimes you do in sessions, you have to, Uh, wait till next time we've reached a time boundary yes save it for later so thanks for listening guys find us on all the things yeah tiki talkie and insta make sure you rate subscribe and review y'all we love it give us that five stars and talk to you next time bye bye great job you did so great i'm gonna barf (laughs) y'all kelly is so brave